Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for yet another episode of the Boca Podcast and a brand new guest. Um, very excited, actually. We I think we just had like a half hour conversation already before I hit the record <laughs> button. Uh, but yep. Co Hodges is here with me. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today, Co. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And and actually, I get to return the favor, if you will. You just had me on your podcast just recently. Yes, I did. And I have to give it a shout out. It's called Let's Get Unraveled. And I have to give you props too for your interviewing style. I tend to be kind of emotional and all over the place and like talk too much. <laughs> and you're very straightforward, which is really cool because it kind of sets the the stage for the person being interviewed to to ramble on, which I think I did a little yeah. bit even when you interviewed me. But um, Oh my gosh. No, you did such a good job. It's going to be such a good episode. It's going to air pretty soon here, actually. Cool. Well, we'll make sure to link to your uh, what to the podcast, at least, in the show yeah. notes. And if by the time this episode goes out, we can also link to that individual episode. We'll do that as well. But awesome. thanks for having me. And, um, and this is really a great segue, actually, to my first question. You are not only a photographer, but one of the founders uh, and and heads of a community, I, I call it a community, maybe you would define it a different way. I'd love to get your take on it, but the Unraveled Academy. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, the podcast is part of the Academy, but there are so many different communities and, and kind of small scale and Facebook groups and then larger mm-hmm. scale forums or otherwise in our photography industry. What is the community's brand position? What sets you all apart from the other communities in our industry? Absolutely. Well, we set out initially to create a workshop, an online workshop, and it. Uh, my business partner Sarah and I, we taught it, sold out, sold out again, sold out again. And what we realized was it wasn't necessarily something that we were teaching as far as photography goes, but it was a space we were creating. And so we leveraged that concept to create a, a larger scale opportunity for the masses. And truly, what it is is a place where all artists. Of, of every walk of life, of every part of the world can come to learn and grow and connect with others and be nurtured. And it's highly inclusive. So we really stand on the position that we're shoulder to shoulder, which uh, I know we're going to talk about later with each other. Um, students are teachers, teachers are students, and mm. we're all growing together. Which, I mean, it sounds a bit cliche, but I guess if we're open-minded enough, there's, there is kind of almost always something to learn from somebody else, even in the most unexpected moments, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And on the site, unraveled, theunraveledacademy.com, and of course, we'll link to all of these resources and, and websites in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But very succinctly summed up, Unraveled Academy helps photographers, one, develop technical skills from the most basic to the most advanced, two, learn how to build a successful photography business, three, take better pictures of your kids, and four, grow as an artist within a nurturing, hands-on community. And, um, and in fact, we talk a lot about the significance of a concise brand position here on the 
podcast. Mm -hmm. And you do that at the very top of the page on the homepage there, a photography school and community that nurtures you as an artist. Yeah. And it, and it it feels very warm and fuzzy to begin with that that picture that's on the homepage that kids <laughs> laying in the grass laughing hilariously yes. the warm sunlight it's beautiful. Yes. You know, it it was really interesting when we went to go kind of define our our position and I'm sure you've read the book or at least seen the the YouTube clip of start with why. Yes. He's amazing of course. But that was really the the center of defining our brand position. And it was pretty easy once we sat down and we're like, well, yeah, this is what we want to do. We want to create this space where everybody can be a part of it. There's a seat for everybody at our table, period. And that is something that I feel like was missing in the overarching photography community, which is obviously huge. And there's so many, you know, sub communities within the larger one that are trying. And I know we're going to talk about community over competition in a little bit, but they're trying, but they're still lacking. And, and we need to, to all rise together a little bit better to be more inclusive and to truly be humans first and photographers second. Hmm, I like that. Well, and that's the direction we're going to go in this conversation talking about removing the hierarchy from the photography mm-hmm. industry, which has been a pretty significant issue. Um, yes. I think even more so in years past, but it still exists. And, and we're going to delve into maybe how we can make some change in that regard. Certainly Unraveled is a big part of that already. But let me let me kind of dig a little bit more. I want to get to know you a little bit more and let our <laughs> listeners do the same thing. Talk to us sure. about one of the most important lessons that you've learned as a business owner, photography business owner, or a, ca- or, or a community um, mm-hmm. head. What is one of the most significant pieces of advice that you could give to a fellow entrepreneur? Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, I started this journey um, after I had children and launched my business when my son was about one and a half. He's six now. So I had a local photography business here in Phoenix and grew that, became successful at that. Then I went and launched a nonprofit, which was photography based as well, which is now a global initiative, which I just sit on the board now, um, wow. which has been amazing. And then rolled out Unraveled Academy. So Definitely creative entrepreneurship is in my blood and I love it so much. And I uh, actually find a lot of creative fulfillment in building businesses and and, uh, entities. But the biggest advice and the lesson that I have learned almost the hard way is there will always be another mountain to climb and conquer. You can rush to it, but there will always be another one behind it. And just relax and really enjoy the creative journey you're on right now because I know you want to get somewhere else. We all do. But what's happening right now is really cool and beautiful and it's a part of it. So enjoy it. Interesting that you mentioned that because I'm actually coming off a pretty heavy, not heavy in a bad way, just lots going on. Big business meeting this morning. Um, yeah. We just hired somebody new and they're getting started. We're getting ready to launch a new brand. And so there's a lot going on and it's pretty overwhelming. But I, I like this mm-hmm. reminder because the reality is even you know for the moment that it, things just seem incredible and almost too good to be true the reality is that that there is going to be some challenge or at mm-hmm. least bump along the way coming up pretty soon and if we fight it that that tenseness you know that um kind of cliche piece of advice that you hear like if you know you're about to get in a wreck that the worst thing that you can do is to tense up right. because you tense up it it naturally causes injury if you can relax it can right. minimize the effect of injury to you in that process. And it's a little bit of a violent example, but the reality is if we tend to tense up and we fight whatever is coming our way, it's mm-hmm. going to make the situation that much more stressful. And you talk about the significance of creativity. 
getting mm-hmm. creative in the moment, it, taking taking that challenge on as an opportunity to get creative. I mean, cr- being creative artistically is one thing, but getting creative, trying to figure out how to solve a problem or a series of problems, if right. we make that an adventure rather than a source of stress, it, it'll probably, when we reframe things, it can really change the way that we feel and experience them and help minimize the stress experience, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think too, as creatives, because that's what we're all here defined as creatives, right? And in whatever, you know, form that that is. I think a lot of photographers differentiate building a business from actually the making the art. And it doesn't have to be like I was saying before, I really find a lot of creative fulfillment in building a business. And mm. I've done it multiple times now. And I think that there's a lot to be said to that and embracing that 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 experience really. I love like brand meetings and I love rebranding my website and I love getting together with other creatives and figuring out how we're going to make this thing work. It's so much fun to me. And I really have embraced that side, the businesswoman side of me as a creative endeavor. So I think if we kind of like splice those two concepts together, it's much more enjoyable than experience. I love our marketing meetings. I love our PR meetings. I love all this (laughs) stuff because I love what we're creating together you know, for the community and we're making something out of nothing. It's so freaking cool. And that's what we're doing with our camera anyways. It's just a different form, just a different creative outlet. So I love it. I love business. I love everything about it, learning about it almost as much as I love taking pictures of my kids and my clients. So, and I never ever thought I would say something like that, to be honest with you. Never thought I'd be here. Number one, never thought I'd be talking to you. Number two, never thought I would love building businesses, but I do. But I think like letting that in and letting this, this entrepreneurial side of you, which we all have, especially if you're, you're in business of any kind, you have that, you have that drive, you have that, you know, hunger to create something and then benefit from it. It's amazing. I love the way that you summed that up. And I think if, if we were to leave everyone with, with an idea here, art and business, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. You, as you put right. it so wonderfully, Co, you can splice them together and you can look at them both as opportunities to exhibit creativity enjoy the enjoy the whole process a little bit more. This is a good reminder for me, so I appreciate you bringing that up. Talk to me about time. Oh, you have two yeah. kids. You've got essentially multiple businesses or companies going on here. There's a lot yeah. going on. How do you make time? I mean, it sounds a little bit cliche these days, but certainly make time for yourself for the sake of your mental and physical health. How do you yeah. make time for your kids uh, mm-hmm. amidst also running businesses? Right. Uh, I don't think it's cliche at all. I think it has to be said. And you and I talked on my podcast about, you know, the privilege in which we sit, that we have the ability to to really focus on self-love and yeah. self-care and yeah. all of that, which, but it is absolutely necessary and is a part of my routine truly now, which it wasn't before. And I do, and I will preface with this. I come from a place where I was an emergency room nurse. I still am every once in a while. I go when I want. So I'm very lucky again, more privilege, right? But I was a nurse for 10 years. I am a nurse wow. in medicine for about 13. That was a life where, you know, you punch in, you punch out, there was no work at home and you left it all hospital. And so whatever, you know, you saw, whatever affected you, essentially you had this mental capacity to just leave it in the building and go home hmm. to your family and you didn't have to do or worry about work while you were at home. Well then, you know, creative entrepreneurship and self-employment and all these things like we're surrounded by our work all the time. So it really forced me to compartmentalize everything that I needed to do in order to successfully run a business and provide for my family. And I am a single mother now. Um, I've been so for uh, almost two years. And so being financially stable is 
mandatory, like cannot make money. So having that as a mindset, but then also knowing my limits as far as how much time I'm dedicating to each thing and to myself and to my children, the biggest thing I can say is you have to have dedicated office hours. You have to have the time in which you are working and then you have to be able to shut it off. And it took me years to figure this out. I used to get super overwhelmed by Facebook Messenger. That's how a lot of my students contact me. I would get really worried if I wasn't answering somebody right away because I didn't want them to think I was ignoring them. Email is another thing. I was like, oh, I got to answer just one more email, just one more email. But now I realize that I can do that during my dedicated office hours. And then whatever is left over, whatever is residual can wait for tomorrow. And it's fine. And everyone will live. It'll be okay. And I will still, and I'll be able to give even more of myself at that time because I won't be rushing to answer somebody while I'm cooking my kid's dinner or wiping an ass or something. You know, it's like so it's, true. it's true. Like I used to work like that. And, and to be fair, there is a time when you're building something, especially if you're a single parent and you don't have a lot of help where you are hustling. And there were many days where I was going back and forth. I was editing an image, answering an email, wiping an ass, getting a juice box, fixing a boo-boo, wiping another ass, editing another picture. And at the end of the day, I got very little done and I felt so drained. And I felt like I wasn't present for my family and Mm. I had to make some changes. So I made a schedule. I hired sitters. I was very happy when my kids were in school. And I worked when I had that uninterrupted working time. And then when it was over, I shut it down and I was present with my family. Mm. And that's how I maintain my sanity today. <laughs> and, and what's so schedule. And this is interesting because yeah. I, I think that I mean, it's a good reminder for me, certainly, and, and certainly for all of our listeners, but ultimately in order to have that kind of schedule and shut things off, you have to manage expectations, right? Yes. So what did that process look like for you and creating that schedule? Well, I think it started intrinsically first because again, with my anxiety over not answering a question immediately was my own personal projection of failing whoever was asking the question or needed me. Right. And it was needed everywhere, essentially, if that was my mentality behind it. So really honing in on my own personal expectations for myself as a community leader, as an educator, um, for my clients, even, you know, I have normal working hours, quote unquote, normal working hours. And then outside of that, I'm present with my family. I don't feel like it even needed to be said. I think it was more intrinsic where I was telling myself, this is okay. Yeah. Projecting on the situation. Correct. I'm like, these these people are just fine. Like they're not, they're not thinking I'm ignoring them. I'm going to answer tomorrow, you know? And another thing too, which was really interesting as I kind of got from my nursing career is in nursing school, we learn a lot about prioritization and in a busy ER, you know, you really have to prioritize who essentially not to be morbid, but who's going to die first. Like you go yeah, there, yeah. you do that, you deal with that. And then, okay, what's next most critical. And we do that and it can get really chaotic and it's high stress and it's very fast paced, but that really helped me. That mindset really helped me when learning how to prioritize my creative businesses because Every day I make a list and I mark them off. I prioritize them as most important. I do number one, second most important, number two. And down the list I go and I start with number one and I work my way down the list and I get as far as I can within my dedicated office hours. Love that. And then once that time is up, it's done. I'll start the next day and I'll relist. And that's how that's been so beneficial for, for me and my family. 
Oh, I love that. Thank you again for that reminder too. I'm, I'm yeah. if even if it doesn't mean anything for anybody listening in, this has been a good reminder for me. So this is really really good stuff. But <laughs> but really, it's great for all of us. What talk to us about the most impactful business or self help book that you've read or listened to? Ooh, okay. So I love Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh, if I could meet her, that would be amazing. Yeah, Big Magic truly changed my life. I have read it like four times on paperback. Um, I've also listened to it on Audible. I don't even know, like 30 times. Every time I travel, I listen to it. I always learn something new. Truly, Big Magic was the the launch of my um, nonprofit. So this was several years ago. I had always had this idea in the back of my head. And I don't know if you, if you love Elizabeth, like I do, but I love how she talks about creativity as like its own thing. Hmm. Like creativity is just around us all the time and it's inspiring us and it's um, coming into our life when it wants us to create something. But I had this idea in the back of my head for a couple of years, truly about 18 months to two years. And it was that people on the autism spectrum are just super underdocumented population, especially children, and that that should change. And so it's just this lingering thought. I can't even take full credit for it. It was just something that showed up one day and it stayed with me until I did something about it. But I was listening to Big Magic on Audible. I was editing late at night. My kids were sleeping behind me. And she had this, this piece of the book where she talks about just making stuff and like just doing and she talks about, because she's a writer, obviously, she talked about having like um, a piece of work that she had written that probably was mediocre, but she had two choices and she could either put it in the bottom drawer of her desk or she could try to get it published and see what happened. And worst case scenario, it bombs. And just putting stuff out into the world because yep. you just should. Yep. And I, at that very moment, I was like, yep, I'm going to do something with this lingering idea. And I started putting it into motion and then I brought on more people and they had the same creative idea and we built this thing and four and a half years later, it's global and um, it's amazing and it's helping so many people. And that, that probably has been the most impactful book of my life, truly. Wow. Well, and there enough cannot be said about the significance of doing versus just sitting around talking about it. And, and I've mentioned right. this many times in the podcast before, but part of the reason I do is because I've been guilty of that very thing. It's easy to talk mm. about something. And again, we are in a very privileged culture where we can just sit around and talk about things online or otherwise and whine right. and complain and, and talk about how this thing should be better in this way or that. But it's easy right. for people to do that versus actually going and doing something. And, and the irony, of course, is that in some cases, it's not even actually that difficult to do the thing. You just have to actually make the move and begin to do it. You have um, to start. Yeah, right. exactly. And then, and then yep. certainly there's some work and you got to stay consistent, but you got to do it. And so I love that reminder. It. But please tell us, because you mentioned it a number, a number of times, please give us a little bit of background to the nonprofit that you started. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So it's called Spectrum Inspired. And the overall... Um, ideal behind it is to raise awareness and destigmatize autism spectrum disorders. So what we have is we have several hundred volunteer photographers all around the world who donate their time and talent to give um, families that are impacted by autism, whether they have a child on the spectrum or um, a family member on the spectrum, and we go to their homes and we take documentary style photos of them um, in their own space and in their, their comfort, and we give them their galleries and they have pictures forever and it's all for free. And we also are able to blog those stories and share them. We used to have a quarterly magazine. We took a little bit of a break from that, but we were able to share these amazing stories of these families and grow this community 
where they were really, they really had no voice before. So it's just beautiful. I can't say enough about the people who, who donate their time. Truly, it's been amazing. I was able to travel and speak about it. I got to go to Ireland and go all around the country and speak wow. about it. This was a couple years ago now, but it's really been a game changer. And the really cool thing, and I'll, I'll link this all together. So Sarah Driscoll, who is my co-founder of Unraveled, she and I met online just in a photography group. This was several years ago. And I knew that she had a son on the spectrum, Lukey. He's the sweetest baby. And when I went to go launch this thing, I was like, I have this idea. I'm putting it together. I'm starting a website. And I really don't know what I'm doing, but I want to pitch my idea to you. Will you tell me how dumb it is, basically? <laughs> and so I told her, and this is all on Facebook Messenger. Um, she lives in Boston. I live in Phoenix. And she goes, and I quote, she's like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I've been wanting to do this for years. Wow. And I like within an hour, we were co-founders, partners, and literally within a couple of days, we had launched the initiative and it grew really fast. And then we brought on um, some other individuals who have been so impactful in our lives. And one of which is local to me. And she is now my, my best friend. She works for Unraveled as her full-time job. And that's what's so cool about just doing stuff. I always tell people, I'm like, I'm, I'm average intelligence. I'm like, I'm not like a super smart person, I, I, but I do stuff. Yeah. You know, I go, I try and I fail and I yep. fall flat on my face, but I do stuff. And I think about this all the time. I, I love this, ana- the analogy of like the college student, especially like the more privileged college student. And they're sitting around the, the cool hipster bar and they're having their, their IPAs and they're talking about the world and what's wrong with it they're not doing anything. And I think if all of those really smart kids would just do some shit, how great it would be and like take their ideas and manifest them into reality would change the world. So it really does take actually doing something. Yeah. It reminds me of that scene. Have you seen Goodwill Hunting? Oh yeah. That, oh yeah, totally. That 100%. Scene with, yeah. Robin Williams where he's like, you know what? I really basically I realized how ignorant you are. Like you can it right. you can wax poetic and and quote mm-hmm. and cite all these books, you know, word for word and tell me what page this thing is on. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you haven't experienced any of this stuff. And right. and that is like you see so many people just sitting around waxing poetic and not actually doing something. And um so first of all, props to you for doing something. And I know that that you would say right away, well, I, I, this is just something I'm learning and, and figuring out along the way. I'm I'm like even if, if somebody says to me, Oh my goodness, you you've done these great things, you started this company and you did this and that, I'm like, Yeah, I just like Google is my best friend, you know? Like <laughs> Sure. I'm not that intelligent. I just try to go figure stuff out. But it's the doing right. that makes the difference in the end. Yes. And, and then ultimately staying, I've realized more recently the significance of consistency as well. It's one thing to do stuff. Yeah. It, it's fun to launch a brand. But then what? You know, So you have to stick with right. it. You have to be consistent and put the work in. But we all need to do more. And that's a really, really great reminder. And of course, we'll link to not only your nonprofit, but to Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Yes. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you so that's much for so sharing good. that. Um, I, I want to at least touch on photography just for a second here because you are also a photographer and and by the way i have to give a shout out um, first of all to unraveled academy we already mentioned earlier the unraveled academy.com and then instagram is unraveled academy just like it sounds all one word but then you also have your own personal site colleen Mm -hmm. c-o-l-e-e-n hodges.com and then co underscore hodges on instagram your photography is beautiful i mean this is kind of an understatement because i know your primary focus is unraveled now but I have to ask you, what is something in your camera bag, past or present, um, that mm. has made a big difference in your ability as a photographer? It doesn't have to be a camera lens or flash. Uh. It could be t- something totally random. What comes to mind? 
Oh gosh. So full disclosure, I am an ultra minimalist when it comes to gear. I, I have one camera body, one lens. I do have my, I don't want to even call it my backup, but I have my little, my little Fuji. It's the X100F. I just got it last year to shoot video of my kids. Really. I love that. That was a game changer, but I had to think like weird, something different. Oh, you know what? I have a monopod. Really? Yes. I really don't have a lot of stuff. I really shoot. I'm very emotive with my my sessions, even with my clients, but more so with my children. I shoot purely documentary with my kids. And well, I can't say purely documentary because the purists will kill me, but <laughs> I shoot documentary style with my kids. I don't manufacture moments. I don't manipulate too much, like opening a curtain maybe, but that has been a really beautiful way to connect with their childhood for me and document it. And I feel lucky to be able to do that. But honestly, yeah, the monopod, I started using that it's just like a $30 thing I got on Amazon. And when I shoot video, it helps with camera shake. And it's been the coolest thing. I love it so much. Um, for, so for those of you that are dabbling in filmmaking, I'm definitely not a pro. I'm just having fun. That is a really cool tool to use. I, you know, it's funny, you don't see a lot of photographers using monopods, but I, I guess it makes sense in the film side of things. The last time that I used mm-hmm. really used a monopod was years ago when yeah. um, I was still kind of trying to make ends meet as a photographer before like really, I guess, going all the way in with my photography business. It was I, I was shooting for Life Touch. And, okay, I was, cool. and I was actually shooting sports photography. So I do the school photography at the schools, you know, the headshots, kind of like you think yeah. about, uh, but then also doing school photography. And so I'd go shoot a football game, stand on the sidelines at night, shoot a football game, for example. And we would set it up with the long lens and the monopod. And that's about the extent of my experience with that. But yeah, when it comes to steadying those images, especially with a bigger lens, it probably would be really helpful. Yeah, it's been it's been really amazing. I just ha- have so much fun with it and just dabbling. I, I've been doing a portrait series of my kids on film. So I do like a 30 second clip of them. And then I've been recording their voices just on an app on my phone and then putting it together in Premiere Pro. Oh, but, how fun. Oh my gosh. It's like, wait, I mean, you know, you have kids. They grow up in two seconds yeah. and then everything's different. My son is six and he still has these like soft baby cheeks and mm. his little voice, you know, and I just want to capture that yeah. and... So that's been my drive to really do some short films. So, yeah. Beautiful. I really love that. Well, you know, we were talking about community, this idea of community over competition. The Rising Tide Society in particular has popularized Mm -hmm. that phrase over the last few years. Yeah. And, and And it's in some ways become cliche as well because we hear it a lot, but there still seems to be a bit of hierarchy, it seems, in our industry. This is something you commented on to me, and I'd love to get your take on kind of what you mean and where that comes from. Yeah, I think, and I'm going to dumb it down to what I think. This doesn't mean this is actually what's happening, but this is what I've noticed, just being really involved in the community and in there with the students and, and constantly just getting their vibe and, and hearing their stories. And and I've also been in groups where I was definitely shunned, especially as a new photographer, by pros, quote unquote pros, you know? And I actually had an experience when I was very, very new. I, I didn't have a business. Um, I was just shooting my kids. And I posted a picture. I will not name the group because they're still doing stuff. But I posted a picture of my daughter in the group and it got ripped apart. Like bad, bad, bad. Mm. Like who do you think you are? You're never going to be a real photographer. Oh, wow. Compositionally terrible. Like just nonsense. And the thing that was so sad about that is 
we have this space, we have this online space where it's really easy to be nasty. And it's really easy to sit by on your keyboard and go, ugh, look at this person. They think they're doing stuff. They think they're making art. They are making nothing. It's just pure crap. And I think that that still rears its ugly head in a lot of spaces. In Unraveled, in our close Facebook group, we have one rule and it's to not be a dick. (laughs) (laughs) simple enough (laughs) yeah don't be a dick okay and we have about 40 uh moderators who that their big job is to manage that and make sure people are nice and we've not had very many issues truly we've only had to make one person leave he did not belong there he was just very just a nasty person came to just cause trouble Hmm. but that was the only time and i truly think that when you you put this out and even as, as quote unquote cliche as it sounds, community over competition is still a really powerful thing and and a really good thing to, especially new photographers, be like, this is what we're about. We're not about competing. There's enough clients for everybody. Please come and sit with us and learn and hopefully we can grow together. But with the hierarchy, I really think that this stems from, and I hate using this word, but truly from like fangirling over artists and, and not just fangirling over artists, which is fine. Cause it's this human nature. Like we have people we admire. I do would love to meet Summer Murdoch. That would be so badass. She's <laughs> one of my heroes, you know, but I think where it comes from is the people who are put on a pedestal allow for that. And then they kind of create this, unspoken hierarchy within social circles of like, I'm so-and-so and you are very privileged to be hearing from me. And I think that that is where the big issue stems from. And we have these amazing artists who are super humble, who are like, thank you for having me. I'm just glad to be here. And they're in toe to toe, shoulder to shoulder with this, with the other students of all walks of life, of you know, every area of expertise, whether they're brand freaking new or ultra elite, like we're all doing this stuff together. And it's all with the same premise that we want to learn and grow. And that is what gets rid of the hierarchy. So what do you think, I mean, when, when you look at somebody who feels as though they are better than someone else in one form or another, what mm-hmm. is the psychology there? What, what drives that behavior? I think personal insecurities. This is just me. Obviously, I'm not a psychology expert. However, I think personal insecurities do drive that because you, we're, we're all trying to quote unquote make it. Right. And we all have this underlying concept of like, okay, if I hit, you know, 7,000 followers and I've made it, if I do X, Y, or Z, if I win this competition, I made it. And then really we never make it, you know, like nobody's ever quote unquote making it. There's again, always another mountain to climb. There's always something else that we can achieve. And, and again, going back to enjoying the journey as it stands and like really embracing all of this beauty that we get to experience. But I really think that people who are like, oh, I've made it here I am. I'm good. And they're not growing anymore. And they're allowing for them to be on a pedestal and for themselves to be on a pedestal. And they're like, okay, well, let me tell you, I've made it. Let me tell Mm. you how to make it too. And it can turn really nasty. And I do think that there is the underlying personal insecurities when that happens. And I think the people who are really, really self-aware and have really good emotional maturity that are in this space where like, again, I'm looking up to this person and rightfully so because their work is amazing, but they aren't allowing for that to be their story. They aren't like, oh yeah, I've made it. Let me tell you a few things. You know, they truly want to be an educator and a leader because they believe it in their heart, their core. They want to be a good person. That's it. 
Yeah, it's so it's, simple. The focus is on adding value. That's the phrase that keeps coming back to mind. I try to use it and I think about it that way too. How can I add value to the industry if we took all that all together, took that approach more consistently? It seems yes. like we'd kind of squash that that tendency toward letting ego get in the way. I love the way that you describe it where the feeling is I've made it, whatever that means to that person, but I've made it and the other person hasn't achieved the same things that I have. Thus, that means they haven't made it. So now in order to continue to feel better about myself and my minuscule accomplishments, I'm going to have to put them down. (laughs) Right. And yeah, that's just really unfortunate that that happens. But how, how do we... I'm actually, this is maybe a two-part question. So I'm curious just mm-hmm. about your take on how we can shift the conversation. Obviously, the focus on adding value, we alluded to that already. But mm-hmm. how can we, as a whole, as an industry, work at minimizing this tendency toward hierarchy? But I guess the second part to the question is, how do we do that while simultaneously encouraging leadership by people who truly want to add value? Because if we if we were right. just all quote, on the unequal playing field, then everybody, there, there is, well, actually, I put it this way, there is a human tendency to look toward or for leadership in one form or another. Right. It's, it's human right. tendency. So that being the reality, how do we put the right leaders in place who are actually focused on adding value? And Absolutely. then as a result, minimize this tendency toward egotism. Right. Well, I think true leaders lead from behind. And I, and I also think that there's a space in which, again, we talked about this before, where students are teachers and teachers are students, where there's always something to be learned from somebody else. And I think that finding a really humble place for, for our leading educators being like really put themselves in check and, and say like, okay, I can always learn something more here's what I know. And I would love to nurture the community with what I know because I have made the mistakes and I've done the work and it's been really hard and I don't want it to be as hard for you. You know, and I think that that's a really humbling nurturing space. And God, I mean, we talked about this earlier. I've been in so much therapy with my ex-husband. I could talk about good relationships all day, but truly this is a relationship. And the best part of a good relationship is when two people nurture each other. I nurture you, Mm. you nurture me. Mm And we grow together mm-hmm. and we're not all on the same playing field we're, we're like, I know things that somebody else doesn't know. They know things that I don't know. We can all help each other and together we all rise. So I think it really is a simple answer is humility and nurturing the community. Yeah. Focus on giving. So I'm, I'm going to break the fourth wall a little bit here. My, yeah. my girlfriend's actually sitting on the couch, not very far away from me. <laughs> Amazing. She's looking over here, making a face at me as we're talking here. But one of the <laughs> one of the things that I have learned as a result of our relationship is the significance of that very thing that you just talked about. And and yeah. this really does hold true. It's not just romantic relationships; it's friendships, relationships with family, yes. and certainly in our industry, when the focus becomes mutually an effort on adding value to the other person in one form or another, helping, caring for, nurturing, whatever the thing is, but giving to the other person. Yes. If you're mutually focused on that, you you really can't be in a much better place where that gets imbalances, where you be, where you run into some issues at times, but it's it's as simplistic as it might seem that makes all the difference in the world. And again, this holds true, not just in romantic relationships, but certainly in our industry as well. Oh, absolutely. Going through my divorce made me a better friend. It made me a better mother. It made me a better industry leader. It all comes back to relationships and how we're going to cultivate these relationships and make them better and improve upon them because that's what this is. That we're, we're connected. And I know we're going to talk about like authentic relationships and social media and, and whatnot in a little bit, but 
these are human experiences we're having simultaneously and we're cultivating relationships off of this and within communities that we're building with other artists, that's what this is. Like I get messages every day from other people in my community and they're not photography related, whether they're about their marriage because they know that I've been through a divorce or whether they're just about a hard time they're going through or they're checking on me. Like this is a mutual thing where we're really nurturing each other and it's been really, really beautiful. And that I will say that was one of the biggest takeaways from all the damn therapy and all the money I spent on therapy and my divorce was so amazing because very simple. I mean, you can spend thousands and thousands of dollars to learn that you should just nurture somebody, but it's true. It goes back to nurturing each other mutually and truly, truly having somebody else's best interest in mind. You know, when you're doing anything in life, whether you're going through a hard time or you're building a, a business or you're making a change, you're leaving your old job, you're starting a new, whatever it might be, you should surround yourself with people who truly have your best interest in mind. And that's what creates good relationships. Love it. Well, you know what? You mentioned the, the conversation about social media. So it's a great segue to that that point of conversation, social media. I mean, it plays, obviously, plays a, a massive role in the way that mm-hmm. we approach relationships, yes. whether it's in our personal life or our professional life. But let's talk about the significance of authenticity in that realm. This is very much mm-hmm. tied to what we were just discussing, the significance of relationships in our industry. Right. You know, the social media is a platform, a medium, if you will, for us to connect with others and ultimately and hopefully add value in some form or fashion. But right. what does it mean to maintain authenticity on a platform that is all about curation? I'm, not, I'm naturally not going to post pictures of me looking my worst <laughs> just by default. <laughs> oh, I did once. I did once, man. And it was like a very humbling experience. Really? Okay. I, I did. I had, okay, so kind of to tell you a little bit of a backstory. Went through my divorce and then I was telling you earlier, got back together with my ex. I call it the re-return. Um, but we tried again and it did not go very well. And I wound up in a place where I had to move myself and my children very quickly. So I bought a house during that time because it was very fast. I needed more. I needed more money. I had spent most of my savings on getting back together with my ex and therapy and a couple's retreat and all that stuff. So I didn't have my down payment anymore. And I needed to get that back fast. So not only was I running Unraveled and doing my local business, but I went back to nursing full-time on overnight. So I was doing night shift full-time and extra shifts. So I was putting in at least 90 to 100 hours a week of work. I was never sleeping. I did this for about six months and I successfully got us into a safe place where we restarted our life. But I had one day where I slept for maybe like, 45 minutes. I was up for about 32 hours. I slept for 45 minutes. I had to get up for something for work. I can't remember what it was, but I was looking real rough. And I took a self-portrait of that. And I was like, you know what? One day I'm going to be grateful for this woman who looks like absolute shit. (laughs) And I'm going to remember that it took all this to get us into this wonderful place where we are now. And we are. We're in such a good place now. But there is something to be said for, for sharing or let's say like airing your dirty laundry online. However, however, like not, we're not all going to do that all the time. And there is a level of like really wanting to share your happy stuff with the people that are following you, the people that you love and that you're connected to, whether you're running a business or not. 
and that's just human nature. Like we want to like show our highlight reel, right? We're like, Oh, I'm super happy right now. And like, this is awesome. And we're on a family vacation. I'm going to show this. This is so cool. People will want to see this. So I really don't want to demean anyone who isn't fully airing all of the gnarly shit that's really going on. However, there is some level of like, well, it's not all good and perfect. Like, please don't do that. And the people who take it even to like an extreme level of perfection and happiness where everybody's in matching pajamas magically lined up against the white wall. (laughs) I don't know, with some sort of prop, like that's not real. So it's not that shit off. But I think that there is, there's, there's a place in the middle where it can be fine. My other business partner who I teach a local workshop with, his name is Ace Fanny and he's a huge part of Unraveled now. He's such an amazing person. He's local to me. And he does this thing. He teaches our students. It's called 100 things. So this is especially for people who are stumped on how to share anything that's vulnerable really online. And so you write down a hundred things that make you up as a person, whether it's you like pizza, you've been divorced, you have three kids, you have a dog, whatever, a hundred things that make you up as a person. And, and within that, cause that's a lot of things you get political things, you have spiritual things, like anything that makes you up. And then you go through and you cross out anything you're unwilling to talk about online. Because there is that. And as open as I am about my divorce online, there are things I can't share out of respect for my ex. And that's real life. Like there's, you can't be fully vulnerable every day and put other people on display for what might seem like your own benefit. So there is such a happy medium there and it, it is completely independent of each person's personal experience. But that's been a great exercise and I tell everybody about it. Do your hundred things, write it down, cross out anything you are absolutely unwilling to talk about online. And I bet you'll be left with about 70 things that are really, really good things that you can talk about where people can connect with you. Yeah, well, being relatable, I think, is a is a great way to connect with others. But yes. it seems as though... In, in some places anyway, people have kind of taken that to the extreme. It's kind of a slippery slope where you go from being vulnerable and sharing something of significance, maybe a, a problem that you're dealing with personally, professionally, or otherwise, knowing that when you post that thing, sure, it may seem transparent and vulnerable in one form or another, but it's also a wonderful opportunity to get 100 likes and people basically giving you virtual hugs because right. that feels good. So right. even in that realm, it seems like there's, I mean, hopefully motives are good. I, I'd like to, to, even in this, I guess, particular environment and in this conversation, I still tend to lean the direction of how can I add value? I don't right. see myself as an inspirational individual, but if I can Same. share something yeah. that I've learned personally, or even just as a result of reading a book and maybe then applying that concept or principle to my life, I can share that with somebody else. Um, right. Or maybe share something that something small that I've accomplished and help encourage somebody else in that regard. And I could do something like that. To yes. me, that that idea of adding value, I want that to be a, a theme in the content that I'm sharing that I can add value in some form or fashion. Because right. um, a lot of the other stuff, I don't know. It, it seems, as you said, that there is a tendency in our culture to air dirty laundry. Some cases maybe just to get attention. Other cases maybe yeah. to to kind of virtue virtue signal, if you will. You know, I look at me. I did this thing or didn't do this <laughs> right. thing. Right, I um, made it. Right. <laughs> how, how do you like, what's the balance? Is there a percentage? Do you have a, 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 an algorithm here that is the appropriate one we should all follow? Honestly, no. And like that, it has to just be authentic and from the heart. For me, I could share about a lot of stuff. I've had a lot of life experiences. I've had my own traumas, you know, but for me, something that really speaks again, adding value is helping other people through the really hard parts of divorce. If mm. I can, okay. and I am not an expert. I'm not a 
therapist. Again, I'm not a psychologist, none of those things, but I have experienced what I've experienced and, and just being open about it and telling the truth has helped people. It normalizes it, um, destigmatizes it. Um, people don't feel alone. And so from that place is where I share. And so that has become something that I've really like, okay, I get messages every day, private messages about this Hmm. uh, topic. I've done a four-part series on my podcast about divorce. It not only interests me, but I've really connected with so many amazing people who have taught me and I have learned and grown so much. I think that comes back to, again, what you can add value to your community with, but also a lot of stuff that is shared online is a part of your personal journey where you're healing from sharing. Yeah, And I think when, and I'm not religious, but I definitely have a spiritual component and I definitely believe in like universe juice or whatever, but I really, <laughs> I'm not sure if I've would... <laughs> ever heard that combination of words before. That's an interesting one. <laughs> I think it can be a beautiful expression, but not only a beautiful expression when you're putting stuff out, when you're setting an intention universally, let's just say sure. stuff comes into motion and, and people come into your life that help you grow and again, nurture you. And I have had the most amazing experiences and met the most amazing people by opening up and sharing. Yeah. So I think that it's twofold. It's a little selfish on my part because I'm really getting a lot of benefit from being this vulnerable. I'm you know, meeting people who are helping me along my journey as much as I'm helping them. I, it has to come from your heart though. It can't be with the, the concept of like, oh, this will get me a lot of likes. It'll get me some attention. No, like squash that right now. It, and it, it should get you whatever it gets you. That's not the point. You know, if, if one person resonates with you, one person hits that heart, then sweet. It, it was meant to happen. Yeah, yeah. And even more than that, you're putting it out there into the universe saying like, well, this is what I need to grow with. This is what I was studying my intention. I'm putting it out there. I want to learn. I want to be a better person. I want to be a better artist, whatever it might be. And it, it does. And it comes back to you. I promise. And it's weird how that works. I'm not religious either, but you're right. There seems to be something out there where, I mean, kind of going back to our earlier conversation, it seems as though when we're willing to to do, to move, yep. um, and to do so in a way that ultimately is centered around adding value to others, it, it just pays off. And I don't know what that's about. And, you know, like knock on wood, I don't want to mess up anything in the so-called universe, but it really <laughs> right. does seem to work. Whatever that is, who knows? But I, I, there is not enough to be said about the significance I'm focusing on adding value. At the end of the day, there doesn't need to be an algorithm or an equation here. Let's just focus on adding value to our industry. And if we do that consistently with the right intentions, sure, we're all human. I mean, I I can vouch certainly for being selfish and wanting the likes and, and it feels good. But oh, sure. at the end of the day, if our focus is on adding value, that is going to pay off. And, and hopefully it's going to pay off largely for those people that we're trying to add value to. Um, right. But that'll come back in a positive way for us too. And, and I think that's a great encouragement to end on. I would love for you just briefly, if you will, to, to give a shout out one more time to <laughs> Unraveled. Um, yes. and, and let our listeners know how they can potentially even come become part of the, the community there. Absolutely. So go to theunraveledacademy.com. It's a really streamlined, easy process. You go to the top right, you sign up. It is $15 a month and that is it. And we have hundreds of courses and lessons and videos inside that are both technical, emotively driven. Uh, we have a lot of stuff about health and wellness, um, mental health issues. And we have hundreds of teachers who are teaching about that. One of the coolest things though, in the community aspect is our closed Facebook group where everybody hangs out. Um, We have again, 40 experts and moderators who are there to answer any questions. And Sarah and myself are in there all the time. 
but really it's been the most beautiful experience because of the people that are already in there. The people that, that just naturally morphed into the community, um, and, and grew it in such a beautiful way. So come check it out, hang out with us, ask questions, grow. It's for every artist truly. And we have all kinds of cool stuff in there. So, and if you ever need to get in touch with me, email me at the unraveled Academy at gmail.com. And I'm happy for any reach outs. I love answering questions. Oh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm excited for you, for your community. I'm excited that we can share with others about this community. I'm a huge fan of community. Yeah. I, it's there's, you know, as, as, solopreneurs in most cases photographers spend a lot of time alone and we we need connection we definitely need in-person connection but in addition to that having these these virtual connections and conversations um, can really make a big difference in our not only our personal life but our professional life so this is wonderful we'll link to unraveled uh, in the show notes and we're going to link to your site as well um, and your Instagram in the show notes. If everybody listening in, if you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com, the talking points from today, you'll see them there. Links to resources um, from both this episode and other episodes as well. It's a wealth of information. So make sure you take advantage. Thanks again, Co, for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.